Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee Podcast, kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and Fix This Next. This free online business assessment tool enables you to pinpoint your business's vital need. Keep listening for top business tips and advice to help you level up and scale up. Here's your host, Simon Meadows. Welcome to today's podcast episode in which I'm joined by Todd. And Todd is somebody that I've already spoken to before. He's based in Florida um, currently. And we had a great chat um, a few weeks ago now about his experience in business uh, and his transition into coaching and, and helping people in the way that he does. So great to have you on today's podcast, Todd. Cheers, Simon. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Tell the listeners a little bit about your story. I know you've got quite an interesting backstory of the businesses you've been involved in. Just just give us a little bit of a sneak preview. We'll talk about it more later, but just give us a little sure. bit of an insight in you know, what makes you get up in the morning and do what you do. Yeah, I was a clinician and corporate bureaucrat for a long time, and I kind of had my revelation moment like people do about 15 years ago and started, you know, left and started a small business so I could have a little more freedom. And it went pretty well, um, but I found pretty quickly that I was engaged in just as many hours and just as many anxieties as I was mm-hmm. when I was working for, you know, an autocrat. And then, um, and so I built a series of businesses after that, all with the kind of intention of finding liberty in there somewhere. Um, and in the process, I ended up building a couple spas, a couple gyms. I had a successful consulting business in the med tech space, kind of turnaround thing. Um, and I found that if I, op- I I went in kind of with an open mind and applied my skill set, I was I was walking into all kind of cool situations that if I was just willing to say yes, I'll help in some way, that we had some pretty cool outcomes. I ended up brokering a, a seven and a half million dollar uh, tech startup deal, yep. um, and you know I ended up finding a construction company that was you know for sale, and I really liked the business, so I bought it, and then started some ancillary businesses around that. So I ended up with more than a handful of businesses and the liberty that I was looking for. And so I feel like that's the lesson. That's what I take into my coaching clients is helping them achieve that kind of. Yeah. And you know, you and I have been on a very similar journey, and construction is is my thing. Yeah. But for many of the listeners, having a handful of business will make them cringe because they will think, how can you have multiple businesses? Where do you find the time? Yeah. And it's interesting you said there about you know having that handful of businesses as, as I did. Actually, you can do that and have that liberty. You can have that choice and you can actually make more money and get more time, can't you? you know, it's, it's not yeah. some kind of secret source. It's open to every single one of us and the yeah. listeners here today as well, isn't it? Yeah, I've, the secret for me was becoming a scientist. It, these are actual skills, you know. It's not, it's not instinct. When you look at people that have a handful of businesses, it's not because they, ha- you know, they were born with it, or it's a gift, or instinct, or totally true. You know, in fact, I, I was my first corporate jobs were all sales related, and then sales management and the manager of sales managers, right? And I was always, I was always intrigued by the fact that my bosses. Uh, the folks who ran the teams weren't necessarily good at the skills I was. And I couldn't believe they'd be managing the team if they couldn't sell as well as I could until I got their position and I realized that it's a different skill set. You know, to manage a team is a different skill set than selling stuff or laying brick or driving a tractor. They're different skills. Um, And so if you 
pour yourself into that process, what you'll find is you can become good at those skills with practice and with mentorship. And then when you get the opportunity to try something else, you just need to walk in there with the assumption that there are different skills and you need to learn those and maybe perhaps abandon or dismiss the skills that you had before because they're not so relevant. Um, I think that's that was the key driver for me to to get to that point. I love the way you said there about abandoning the skills because you know I learned very early on in my businesses and you know I've always had a coach and always had a mentor mm-hmm. but I couldn't retain everything. You 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 don't have to. Sometimes you yeah. have to create the space mm-hmm. for other skills to to be able to fit in there, don't you? And because if you don't use them, you mm-hmm. can lose them anyway. But you know, purposefully, I found I had to actually remove things uh, from my headspace just to create more space for better things. Yeah. Yeah. If David Beckham wanted to be a coach, you know, it doesn't matter so much what his left foot's doing these days. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. Right. That's true. Yeah. 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 So I think that's, that's something. And it's hard to imagine that until you're in the position. Yeah. You know, how many times have your parents told you, you know, I was a teenager once and you roll your eyes like you were never a teenager. You were always a parent because it's hard to imagine them from a different perspective. And then when you become a parent, your, your life turns upside down and you see things a different way. So. Yeah, totally. So tell us a little bit about what you're drinking today. Now, this is a business success and coffee podcast. Now, listeners, I have to give you a spoiler alert. Neither of us are drinking coffee. Even I'm not drinking coffee. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, I've I've shot in um, sacrilege from from outside. And the first thing uh, my wife said is, do you want a cup of tea? And I just rushed upstairs and said, oh, anything, please. I'm actually... I'm actually drinking a cup of Yorkshire tea. So if, you're, if Yorkshire tea are listening to this, we're always open for sponsorship. But I'm drinking <laughs> a great cup of Builders Brew because it's it's good and brown. It's He-Man color tea. Yeah, yeah excellent. So that's me. Well, how about you? Well, I think you knew this in advance because we talked about it before. Mm. But you, I hope your listeners will forgive me the exception. I'm not a coffee drinker. And this was a problem. I did an expat assignment in Europe uh, for about a year and a half. And uh, of course, this is what people do in the morning. They sit around and drink coffee. And I'm not a coffee drinker, and I didn't, I didn't really enjoy coffee. But um, eventually, you know, the generous host found out that I did enjoy hot chocolate. And so that was uh, more than 15 years ago. And I still get hot chocolate samples in the mail from all over the world. Right, from, right. From people who spent their good, generous time trying to figure out what made me tick. Um, and, uh, you know, we'd go to restaurants, and they'd have a special you know, a special presentation where someone would bring me a hot chocolate just to make sure that I didn't feel left out. And so this morning I'm drinking, um, you know, there's a store, I can't remember if it's on High Street in the UK or not, but it's called William Sonoma. Are you familiar with the brand? No, not heard of that now. They make kind of premium cooking products, cooking pans and appliances, etc. And they do have a few food items in the store. And one of them is they're famous for their hot chocolate. And so I have a William Sonoma brand, double dark hot chocolate. And it's only good, of course, you make it with milk. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm drinking. Double dark. Double dark. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Imagine, imagine I'm trying to think in Europe, what's the equivalent? I think Barcelona would be the equivalent where it's so dark, you know, you'll stand the spoon up and it takes a second for it to fall over. Yeah. 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 I think that's double dark. It's it's interesting, isn't it? Because I know you said about breakfast and and coffee and Mm -hmm. certainly here in the UK, it was always tea. And we've definitely become more of a coffee drinking nation um, through through the introduction of various coffee chains uh, Mm -hmm. who we're also open to sponsorship from. But, uh, (laughs) But, 
you know, when I when I went to France, very much they quite often have chocolate, but it's usually either hot chocolate or they also do cold chocolate as well. So if it's if it's in the middle of summer, they will actually have a cold chocolate with their their breakfast croissant or something like that. You know, it's quite common. If I'm upsetting any French listeners, I say no, no, we don't, we don't, <laughs> uh, or no. Um, but yeah, you know, I think you know more people actually have hot chocolate. And I know when I have a continental breakfast at some of the hotels I've been to across Europe, mm-hmm. it's, it's becoming more of a fixture. Hot chocolate on that on that menu. Yeah, because I'm a, because I crave it. I look for it everywhere, and France is one of the most accessible places for hot chocolate. Um, and they generally will make it only with um, with real chocolate, which is just diluted in milk. Yeah. Sadly, in in North America, if you ask for hot chocolate in any of the three countries in in North America, um, they'll often dilute it with water, which you know, yeah, is yeah. is frowned upon in, in from the continent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So you you've given us an idea of of what you're drinking now, but if you were to say there's a favorite hot chocolate, what would what would you say? You give an idea of how you taste it, but what's yeah. your favorite? It's different all over the world. Like in Milan, they'll they'll often add hazelnut. Yep. Um, in some of the Spanish cities, um, they'll have a, a berry, you know, like a raspberry that they'll add. Um, my favorite are the Mexican hot chocolates. They have a, a spice that they add, oh, okay. um, and they're quite famous for it. And so, if you're in Mexico City and you ask for a hot chocolate, it'll often it'll often set you back for a second until wow, <laughs> you realize there's a good hot spice in there. So, I'd say really any of the hot chocolates, any of the famous hot chocolates from uh, Mexico City, yeah, would yeah. be my faves. Yeah. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because you know what you talked about there is that you have an expectation of what the hot chocolate is going to be, mm-hmm. and I would never, ever, until you've mentioned that, have thought of putting spice into hot chocolate. So now, yeah. when I go to Mexico, Mexico City, and I ask for it, I'm not, and I know what I'm going to expect. But can you imagine sitting there thinking you're going to get this wonderful? Oh yeah, you'll choke chocolate. on it. Well, it's <laughs> yeah. gone. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So you know, you've been involved in in, in many businesses, and you know, latterly. You know, focusing uh, a little bit on more on the coaching side of it. So what's been the latest or most significant thing that you've been working on that you can share with us today? Um, the, the One of the reasons that I kind of focused on the freedom in my in my personal intro is that I, I think that's the, the problem that a lot of business owners are trying to solve in the coaching space because they mm-hmm. think that they go into coaching and consulting for the liberty of it. Hey, great, I get to work in my pajamas. I get to work from home. I can work 22 hours a week instead of 70 if I choose. And what they don't realize when they get into it, in order to work 22 hours a week, you have to sell 40 or 45 hours a week to get your next client. Yeah. And so you may be fulfilling 22 hours a week, but you're still working the long hours. Um, and uh, even online, like, you know, so much of the lead generation has been moved online these days. And the people who are successful are temporarily successful. And they're so frustrated. I have so many clients come to me who are like, I got five clients last month and I told the world that I'm, you know, an X type of producer. Um, now, how do you do that the month following and the month following? And I feel like processes are a weakness um, and processes are what build you liberty. You have to delegate and build processes. And so I think that's the problem that I've that I've fixed best in my career. And it's the problem that I'm focused on helping other people fix right now. Because when I was in the spas, um, I was really invested in them. It was the first time I had my own business. I had, uh, it was quite staff intensive. I had about 100 staff for that one. I know construction is the same way sometimes. Yeah. And so I had 100 people counting on me and I thought that so many of the decisions absolutely needed to be made by the owner. Sure. 
sure. Right. Sure. Tell me if this resonates with you, because I know there was some times where you're like, no, 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 I'm the one that has to make the insurance choice because I'm the one that's liable. And then after a while, you realize that there were two or three key decisions that should have been taking the bulk of your time. And because you skimped on them, because you didn't spend the time you wanted, you, you had a lackluster performance for some reason or other. And it would have been better if you found somebody to make an A minus choice on your liability insurance, but then coach them on how to make an A choice the next year and an A plus choice the following. Right. And it's interesting you say that because you know it felt I'm sure most of the listeners felt that as well, but you're, you're absolutely right about that decision-making. Uh, it's a real burden, isn't it? It feels like yeah. a real burden to, to have yeah. to be accessible to make those decisions all of mm -hmm. the time. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and it's that's one of the things that certainly holds us back from taking a step away from the business because, you know, who else can make those kind of decisions? Yeah. So, so that, I think that's my, my biggest uh, maybe achievement in business is yeah. finally learning to let go in a way that is practical and pragmatic um, and in the end it's a net gain for everybody like it's true actually by me making fewer of decisions in-house that sometimes i would have made a different decision like some of the some of the decisions could have been improved with my experience as opposed to the person that i hired to do the job right um, however the net gain or the net loss of that decision are a couple hundred or a couple thousand dollars or a, a missed opportunity for a customer or a series of customers yeah. but then because i was able to focus i might have opened a new location i might have negotiated a different agreement with a landlord i might have extended a franchise agreement i might have you know um um, started an ancillary business, right? These are all opportunities that can one and a half, two, three X the business that I wasn't spending my time on before. And yes, it's true that, you know, maybe we had to settle a claim for $5,000 because our liability insurance wasn't perfect. But on the other hand, now we've learned that lesson and we won't lose $5,000 next time. Now we've got it buttoned up. And instead of, you know, kind of worrying and, and uh, losing sleep over this $5,000 expense, I'm out creating a half million dollar, a million dollar bump yeah. in the revenue next year. And why wouldn't you do that? I mean, it, it, yeah. it, we all think that this is common sense, don't we? But it's very difficult to make it common. <laughs> it was not common sense for me. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, many decisions of my life I came about by, you know, busting my head against the wall until it was bloody. And I, I wish I have friends who, you know, were in their 20s or 30s and they had a mentor tell them, you should save more money. And they're like, oh, that's a great idea. I think I'll save more money. And that's not the way I did yeah. it. I yeah, spent yeah. all my money until I was broke and then realized, hey, maybe I should have saved more money. So yeah, yeah. True. Well, we're all so different. That it sounds to me that you found the key to letting go. Uh, and I'm sure there's lots of different keys to doing that. But if you could share with the listeners something that helped you shift your mindset of passing those what yeah. for many of us feel critical decisions on to other people. Yeah, I, I it, it came as a revelation because I just got to a point where I was making poor decisions myself. What was happening is my staff would tell me, we really need an answer on such and such. And I thought, well, I'm the only person that could possibly answer that, but I don't have time. So I waited and waited and I delayed enough where the decisions just didn't get made and I had yeah. net poor results. And so I had one manager at the time that I was really beginning to trust. She's amazing. Um, she had worked for me for three or four years at the time and she kept telling me I can take on more responsibility and I wasn't trusting her. Yeah. And so the first thing that we did is we took a couple of the tasks and said, look, I'm going to trust you with these key tasks. Um, go. 
and she made decisions that I wouldn't have, and it ended up being kind of a disaster because I didn't hand it off properly. But we liked each other. We liked working with each other, and so we just decided to work on it. And we came up with a four or five stage process for delegation, and that's what made the difference, is we just decided that delegation needed to be a skill and not an art. Yes, yeah. I'm the owner. Just because I say, hey, go do this doesn't mean it gets done. And just because someone hands something to her in, a, in, a, in an email or a voicemail doesn't mean that she has all the information. She needs to do it well. And so we built trust. Um, she required that I have patience. That was one of her things. She's like, Todd, you have to have patience with this. Um, what was the third thing? We needed to set critical um, thresholds. Right. So she wanted a list of give me three times where you want me to reach out to you and disturb you even if you're on a plane. Like what are the times I'm going to come pull you out of a meeting to get an answer? And I would set them. That's a great thing to do. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And um, so anyways, we had a list of five things or so that uh, that we had to go through. I'm trying to think what the fourth one was. The fifth one was build redundancies. Um, But they're, you know, they're axioms that we use every single day. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think that knowing not necessarily what is it that I shouldn't interrupt you with, but knowing what I should interrupt you with, because it's a much shorter list, isn't it? You know, the list of what you shouldn't interrupt me with very often can feel unwieldy because these are all the things that I don't need to know. But actually having the clarity yeah. of what you should interrupt me with, I, you know, I really like that. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, we found, um, we had three criteria for that actually. These these I do remember perfectly. The, the first one is if there's someone in the organization that can do it better than you, then start handing it off immediately. Like that's the first mm-hmm. criteria. Um, because there are times in fact that they're, they're more connected with your clients than you are, Todd. Maybe they should be handling customer service concerns as long as you build them guidelines, right? Yeah. Uh, the second thing is, can it be done without you? And this was the hard one hmm. because, because I would say nobody can possibly negotiate liability insurance for me except me. And my staff uh, would, or my general manager would say, look, if you give me the parameters, there's no reason why I can't do the research, prepare everything for signature, and then send it to you on DocuSign. And we would disagree about it until I was essentially persuaded <laughs> that there were so many decisions, you know, except for key staff, yeah. key customers, finance and strategy. What else What else do you really need to be there all the time? And the answer is not very damn much. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Completely right. Agree. Oh, and the third thing. So the first thing was, can someone do it better than you? That's obvious. Is there something that doesn't require you? And this is the one that requires thought yeah. and self-awareness and a little bit of... Um, courage maybe and the third thing is do you really have the time to transition it thoroughly because we did a shit job of handing it off a few times and ended in disaster and yeah. um, if we're if we were honest and we look back uh, we just didn't transition it thoroughly yeah yeah now great and what kind of difference did that make then because I think all that is 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 really good for the listeners to hear and I think there's some great criteria there that we could all use from this mm-hmm how how has it been since you've gone through this transition? What kind of difference has it made for you? I'll tell you, it's um, transformational in a way mm. because um, I do get up some days and feel like I don't have anything to work on and it's brilliant because there are always two or three things that I'm stewing on. Yep. Should I grow in this way? Should I exit this business? Should I enter this business? Um, am I thinking about a different geography? Um, I'm really been considering adding a key staff member to help me in this way. Okay. <clears throat> and I'm not sure how that position should be. And you need to sit down and think about that kind of stuff. And it gives me the freedom to have a long breakfast and just stew over my thoughts. Mm. 
my partner tells me all the time, she's like, you don't work that hard sometimes. <laughs> what, she, what she doesn't know is that I need to ruminate over some things. Yeah. You know? Um, but, but that's, I mean, that's quite scary, isn't it? Yeah. And I think yeah. a lot of business owners um, and coaches and consultants, when they get to the point where they have that space, where they think, I don't really have that much to do. People yeah. then go out to fill that vacuum, don't they, with stuff. Yeah, I'll never forget the most successful mentor I ever had. He ran a, a about a billion dollar division for McKesson Corp, big big company, and I was kind of his right hand man. If he had something a real problem, he would pull me in his office and tell me he needs to solve this big thing and just go. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you mean go? He's like, go. Like when you need help, you let me know. And I'm like, oh, okay, I love that freedom, great. But when I went into his office, it was always clean and there was nothing on his desk. And sometimes what he would do is he'd pull one folder out and open it and make some notes while we talk. And then he would close it and put it back in his thing. And it felt like he only had 10 folders in his desk. And I, could, I couldn't believe it. I thought this is someone who's really neat and organized. And I was so impressed at his ability to um, classify, categorize, to hire staff to handle the key tasks because the problems he was giving me were big ones. Right, and it allowed him to focus on that and find someone that was ta and task them with it, and so I've always tried to use him as a model for that because it didn't mm -hmm. seem scary for him. He seemed to be perfectly in his element, like he was in exactly the right place. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't. You know, yeah. my, my colleagues and I, we were the ones bragging to each other. We'd go for a drink after work and we brag to each other about how many hours we were working. Yeah. You remember this? That, I don't know if you ever worked in a corporate environment where if you send an email out at three fourteen in the morning, th those are brownie points. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Right. And, and yeah. And, you know, I, I did that uh, just the other day. I, I was doing a, a course for a local university and mm -hmm. I, I did to the recording because I knew they needed it for the morning. And yeah. I deliberately <clears throat> scheduled it to go out at eight o'clock rather than hit the send button at 9 p.m. in the evening because I didn't want to show them that yeah. I was doing those kind of hours. Because what you don't want to do sometimes is train people to expect that behavior on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And that's always my worry. Because if you do that, yeah. you get the brownie points, as you say there, Todd. But mm -hmm. then it's expected next time and next time. So, yeah, so, yeah I, I, I did it. And I did it at 9 o'clock. But then I just scheduled it to go out at 8.15. So they got it first thing in the morning. But mm -hmm. they would, I was training them that it will wait until the morning. Yeah. I'll tell you another <clears throat> lesson that I learned that really cemented this task, this concept to me, is that I, I ride horses for a hobby, right? And okay. when I'm out there riding, um, you know, it takes 30 minutes to get to the barn. I got four or five horses to gear up and take to a field somewhere. I have yeah. to, you know, check their for injuries and tack them up and warm them up and then play and then strip them down and wash them and put the gear away. And even if you have help, that's a four or five hour process, right? <coughs> excuse me and during that time often you're at a farm somewhere in the middle of nowhere right so people don't have access to you and I was committed at the time I was I thought to myself this is miserable you know working these kind of hours I'm gonna set a couple goals of things to do places to be yeah. and during that time I'm not gonna be disturbed and um, it was the revelation that I would come back five hours later and realize the world hadn't kind of imploded around me <laughs> that's right and I realized that, you know, it, it can be done. This is, this is completely and it, and doable. And it can actually be better when you get back. That's the thing I found, you know, when you get the business working, you know, in that way and you know, everybody's working so well, doing their job exceptionally well, 
you can take time away and they mm -hmm. do a better job. And when you get back, things are actually improved. And I used mm -hmm. to go away for sometimes a month at a time and I'd come back and it was almost, why are you back? Everything's great. And things mm -hmm. had actually got better since I'd been away. And yeah, sometimes it, 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 it sabotages our own self-belief a little bit because we think, oh, well, no, it's all about us. But it was about me, but it was about me enabling them to do the great job that they've got to do. And that's obviously what your mentor was very good at with the uh, the few folders, very good at getting the right people doing the right thing. We were, Everyone noticed it about him. Um, and yet I don't think very many people picked up the tip and said, oh, that can be my life too. I think we were just all trying to outwork each other for his for his spot. Um, and in the end, he had it worked out and we, we hadn't. So yeah. it took it took leaving for me to figure it out. Sometimes that's what it what it takes is it takes you changing some kind of, you know, big circumstance in your life in order to, to learn the lesson. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting you say about horse riding. We've got horses at home. And yeah. I, I'm not a, I don't ride for a hobby. I used mm -hmm. to ride, but I'm a pretty poor rider i'm more of a passenger i just sit on the horse and the horse just <laughs> i hope i hope the horse behaves and i can just hold on tight yep but one of the things uh, i've always been envious of is the ability to go out and ride all day because in in england in particular we have these saddles that are designed for either hunting or for dressage and they're not comfortable for long periods of time and They're I not. actually bought a Western saddle and I was so impressed because it got a handle on the front that I could hold on to as well. That was a good yeah. yep. But so comfortable to, to sit in. So I'm really pleased that, you know, you're, you're into horse riding as well. But all, all our horses at the moment are old and we can't ride them anymore. But I do miss the riding. But I also, I can't wait to travel and get out somewhere where I can actually go and ride out for a couple of days and probably do some proper Western riding. That'd be great. Yeah, my, my goal for the last couple of years is I spend a month in Argentina every December, um, and I want it to, to go without a hitch. And I've, I've you know tried it for a couple of years before the pandemic, and it worked fine. And there's no reason why, just because I have you know bigger businesses now, mm. there's no reason why I can't do that. Um, and so I set it as a goal for myself to set all the systems up so when I'm there, if someone can't reach me for a day or two, you know, like I said, the world doesn't implode around me. Yeah. And the Argentina is for, for riding? Yeah, Argentina is a horse mecca. There's all kinds of disciplines there. They're kind of famous for polo, but they're excellent at lots of, lots of oh, stuff. So, okay. Oh well, you've just added something else to my bucket list then, Todd. Thanks for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Argentina horse riding. Yeah, never thought about that actually. You never ballroom dancing, perhaps, or something like that, but not. Yeah, yeah tango not, and not polo. That's the. Those yeah, are the two things. Yeah, there you go. I always remember listening to Tony Robbins at one of these Unleash the Power Within's talk talk about. Um, his experience of polo for the first time he's sitting he sat upon this horse holding right? the polo stick and yeah. this horse was a pretty slow you know plodder as he called it and he's you know he's quite a big guy isn't he tony robin he sat on top of this he's big, big horse. and they intentionally put him on the slowest horse they had for safety's yeah, sake yeah, right yeah and he said suddenly the this did they call it a ball landed at the feet mm -hmm. of this horse yeah he said and this horse just lit up yeah, and then suddenly he realised that there were a group of other horses charging at him, and he's holding his stick, thinking, "How quickly can I hit this ball away from that?" That's all he was focusing on, because he just yeah. knew that he was going to get, you know, trampled by all these horses. But yes, yeah, it's, yeah, it's such a funny story. Um, yeah, there's a. If you ever want to watch a funny bit, uh, Conan O'Brien, who's a TV host, uh, late night TV host here, yeah. he came out to our our club in Los Angeles and tried a lesson. And, He's he's as tall as and taller than Tony Robbins, and he looked ridiculous wow. on a horse, and made <laughs> made a good laugh of it. 
Yeah, it's a bit like me standing on top of a little Shetland pony. <laughs> it would be are, like that. My feet are touching the floor. Yeah, yeah, it would so, be like that. Todd, tell tell the listeners how they can uh, find out more about you, how they can reach out to you. Is there anything particularly you want to share with the listeners that perhaps you know they can go and get hold of? Just give us a little bit of information about where we can go. Yeah, sure. Um, I have a kind of my favorite place to go is I have a Facebook group called Real Business Coaching, where I try to impart real business principles onto coaching and consulting because I feel like a lot of people get into the business of coaching and consulting to share their knowledge mm. uh, and they get caught in this trap where they're just constantly chasing new clients and not able to deliver in a way that keeps them satisfied. And so I teach folks how to you know create a business out of it so that they have a sustainable income and they feel comfortable making it their primary thing. So that's the best place to find me. It's called Real Business Coaching. It's just you know facebook.com forward slash real business coaching. Great. That's my favorite way. Um, the, the name of the group is called uh, Beachview Group. Um, because my goal someday is to have a have a beach view and ride horses three days a week and call it a day, yeah, call it yeah, a week. Yeah. That, that sounds like a plan. And yeah. it's, it's interesting that you said there because I think any coaches or consultants listening to this, we do have to remember we have a business. Yeah. yeah many of us, yeah, like I have, walked away from business, but this is still a business. I have to run it as a business. I have to give it business yeah. principles. You know, mm -hmm. I have to work it as a business. And yes, it might have a different balance and a different focus, but it's still a business. That's really important that you said. I find people on opposite sides of the spectrum. There are people involved in it that think, you know, that it's a sales job and they sell, sell, sell. And there's a lot of hype and, and kind of a, a assertion going on. Mm. Um, and there's a kind of a disturbing, you know, lack of fulfillment in that team. And there's some folks in it for the for kind of a heart centered purpose where they want to help. Uh, parents of disabled children, or they really want to help people avoid lawsuits, or they really want to people landscape, you know, their home, and um, they're they don't enjoy the sales part of it, and so they just really want to fulfill, but they're not getting enough clients to make a business out of it. And somewhere in the middle, you know, there should be a compromise, some place where people that want to add value to people's lives Absolutely. can make it a business, and where people who enjoy the business part of it can, you know develop a program that adds a lot of value to their clients yeah. uh, and i'm trying i'm trying to live right in the middle of that space um and bring both parties over and talk some sense into them a little yes. bit yeah. 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 yeah yeah bring them together i think that's, that's a, and that's a great comparison and you're absolutely right there. that's definitely where we need to be in the in that middle zone yeah, yeah. so so we know where to to go to to reach out to you and go to that that facebook group so if if you could give the listeners one lesson one tip that they could do something with immediately after listening to this podcast. What would you share with them today? Um, I think I'd like to exaggerate this one point is that there are some things that you do now that you do not have to be involved in. And if you take the time to transition it properly, it will just free up time for you to focus on things that are a bigger priority to you. Um, and for some people, that's as simple as having someone come clean the house. Frankly, they're better at it than you are. Yeah. Right. They can do it in fewer, less time than you can, and if you take that time and dedicate it to something else that you, has your risk skill, you know, uh, you know, medicine or dog training or you know, parent coaching, um, you can add more value and have a more satisfying life by just identifying that one thing. And once you do it once, you know, then it becomes a game, and you should gamify it. So it's like, isn't there one more thing? Isn't there one more thing? Um, and find your find your cadence there. Great. So listeners. When you finish listening to this podcast, find the one thing. Don't try and find a list of things. Yeah, find just one. 
one thing, find the easiest thing that you could actually release time from mm -hmm. that you could give to somebody else or something else that gives you the time. I love the phrase, the game, have the yeah. challenge, use it, play the game and then yeah. find the next thing. And then the next thing, I think that's a great And way. remember there, it is a science. It's not an art, right? Yeah. Just hiring somebody doesn't solve the problem. You, the question is, you know, is it the right task? Did you hand it off properly? Are you using trust and patience? Did you set a critical threshold? Did you coach mm -hmm. them, not manage them? And did you build a redundancy? Like if you do those five things, you can take a task, delegate it properly. And then when you're successful, you'll have all, you'll have, you know, this cool kind of enthusiastic energy to go try it again. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the, the clarity and the communications of the expectations is what lets most delegation down, doesn't it? Because yeah, the, sure the, ex, the expectations are so poles apart for many of yeah. those opportunities. Mm -hmm. So great. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to ask you a, a final question then, Todd. Okay. If you're thinking about your next hot chocolate, your your dreamy double dark hot chocolate, perhaps. Yeah. If you were to have that next hot chocolate in a dream location, now you sound well-traveled and you've mentioned lots of different cities and uh, mm -hmm. I've never been to Madrid. Seville is one of my uh, favorite cities. Yeah. Um, but if you could have your next hot chocolate in a dream location, where would that dream location be and who would be with you? I've never played polo in, Mar in um, Marrakesh and I've heard lots of good things about it. Um, I'd love to. I'd love to go there and um, sit down in one of the spice markets, and try one of their local um, hot chocolates because they have so many cool spices and herbs and stuff in Morocco. It's kind of one of the things they're famous for, and uh, Marrakesh always seems like a vibrant, enthusiastic city, um, and uh, it's just an interesting culture. I'd love to. That would. That's in my mind for one of the places I'd like to do that. Perfect. Right. And you've created such a good picture of that as well. Unfortunately for me, you created a picture when you mentioned polo in Mar Marrakesh. Yeah. I got visions of, I must have seen it on some movie somewhere, where it's not polo. It's actually some kind yeah. of goat yeah. skin that I've got to lean off the horse and grab it and throw it around. But, uh, yeah. So they play Isn't proper polo with proper sticks, do they? Proper polo with proper sticks, yes. Sir. Oh, join, join me there, if you will, please. Yes, yes. Definitely not on polo, but I can't imagine taking one hand <laughs> off the horse. That definitely is not my riding skill. That definitely is not. Well, uh, you, you've been an absolute pleasure to, to have as a guest. Just give the listeners the Facebook group again that we can go to. Sure. It's called Real Business Coaching Real on Business Facebook. Coaching. You can find it all over the world. It's easy to find. Yep. And if we think about the group, Beachview. Yeah, Beachview Group is the name of the consulting coaching firm that I have. Perfect. Great. And uh, yeah, we certainly all look forward to joining you on that uh, beach, having that view and riding a horse two, three days a week. That'd be great. So it was a pleasure talking to you, Simon. Next time we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about you and less about me. Yeah, that'd be good. So thank you very much for being a guest. Listeners, mm -hmm. you had some amazing awareness, some great accountability to get something done. Find that one thing to go out and give to somebody else, release some of that time. Even if it's only an hour a week, do that one thing. I love the the challenge, the game effect that you can do with that. And as always, I look forward to having you all on the next podcast. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, if you'd like any help and support with your business, do get in touch with Simon. And to discover what your business needs you to fix next, visit www.sterlingcoaching.fixthisnext.com. Please do subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And Simon would love you to rate and review the show too. Thank you.